The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody. You are listening to Good Morning New York. I'm Vince Rocco, your host, and I'd like to welcome our listeners from the United States and around the world. Today, it's 46 degrees here in New York City and busy, busy because it is Election Day. I, uh, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable, I don't even know where to begin to go here, but I'm not going to get political. So I just want to say it is Election Day in the United States. I think that this day couldn't come fast enough. It feels like the longest campaign period in my lifetime. And with such a negative tone throughout, I honestly questioned almost every day why as Americans I needed to come home at night and watch the news because it was incredibly, (sighs) incredibly sad for a lot of reasons. I'm not going to get political. As I said, I'm only going to ask that all of you please get out there and vote. Don't believe the polls or the candidates' campaign rhetoric, regardless of who you are supporting this year. It is very important, more important than any other year in our past. Every vote this year counts. The lines are very long, so be patient. Get on the lines, but please cast your vote. As our president said last <clears throat> last night or yesterday, through several rallies, are you fired up and are you ready to go? I'm fired up and I'm running out of the studio to cast my vote in a little while. Anyway, in the beginning... I voted. Uh, you voted already? 6 well, a.m. when the polls opened. Well, here, you know, I showed up at 7 <laughs> and the lines were already around my building and around 93rd Street and I said, well, okay, I got to get to the radio show. So when this is over... I'll go home and vote because I didn't want to be late. But I can see it's going to be a very different year this year because people are posting on Facebook, at least on the Upper West Side, friends of mine, the lines are extremely long. And my fear is that people are going to get frustrated because they've got to run to work or they've got to get to appointments and they're not going to want to stand online. But please, everybody, this is going to be too late after you hear this, but just stand in line and do it. Anyway, moving on, it's the beginning of November, which can only mean one thing. Thousands of dedicated runners invaded the city streets on Sunday for the annual New York City Marathon, making their way through a grueling 26.2-mile course that took them through all five boroughs. It's one of those somewhat magical events where it feels like the entire city comes together for a positive reason. And believe me, this year we needed some positive reinforcement. It was a great day for all the runners and all should be very proud of themselves. In celebrity real estate news, Uma Thurman made quite a neat profit from the sale of her Gramercy Park duplex, this according to The Observer. We already knew and reported the lovely duplex had gone into contract just two months after Thurman listed it on the market this past April, but The Observer now reports that the buyer paid $6.61 million for the five-bedroom apartment, which is higher than Thurman's asking price of $6.25 million, Very interesting in this current marketplace that she sells in that price point over asking price. I mean, bizarre. But congratulations. Could have been the building and the inventory in that neighborhood. 
it might have been low, and that might have been what people wanted, that particular apartment. I have not well, seen it. And it was gorgeous. Did yeah. you see it? So I've seen yeah. the photos. The photos are beautiful. Yeah, yeah the mm-hmm. photos are beautiful. But I, I didn't see it, and the building is quite nice. But, you know, really, in this marketplace, that's that's very good. Anyway, comedian and actress Amy Schumer has seriously upgraded her Upper West Side living arrangements, reportedly purchasing a 4,500-square-foot penthouse that was asking $12.15 million. The Real Deal reports that sources familiar with the deal have disclosed the train wreck actress to be the new owner of the five-bedroom duplex at 190 Riverside Drive. If Schumer did indeed land the place as her new pad, she got it for a pretty good price, considering the home once wanted as much as $18.9 million. So she paid $12.15 million million dollars again in this marketplace that's real good schumer's last upper west side home not nearly as expensive is still in the market and that's asking 1.625 million it offers one bedroom one and a half bathrooms two wood-burning fireplaces and built-in bookshelves we've talked about that listing um several times on this show i think it's a little overpriced yeah (laughs) <laughs> Just a little overpriced. It's a walk-up, too. And it's like a walk-up. Yeah. Absolutely. And celebrity chef Bobby Flay, who's one of my favorites, has finally found a renter for his duplex in the celebrity-studded Chelsea Mercantile building. This according to the New York Post. Flay put the 3,256-square-foot digs on the market in October following a split with his now ex-wife, Stephanie Marsh, of Law & Order fame. In, order, in addition to listing the 8th floor uh, and ninth floor duplex as a $22,500 a month rental, he also listed the apartment on the sales market for a little shy of $8 million in October of 15, but couldn't sell it, although the listings didn't shy away from calling out its professional chef owner. The apartment's ask still hit the chopping block in May when it was reduced by a $1 million to $6.95 million, and it still didn't sell. The duplex was created by combining two apartments at 252 7th Avenue. It was just Halloween, but signs of impending Christmas season are already popping up around New York City. Decorations are for sale in some stores. Ice skating rinks are already open for business. And as of today, Rockefeller, I love these stories, Rockefeller Center has chosen the enormous evergreen tree that will be uh, the centerpiece of their holiday festivities, as usual. According to NBC New York, which first reported the news, the massive tree is a Norway spruce this year that's currently sitting in someone's backyard in Oneonta, New York, upstate New York. Yeah. To get it to Rockefeller Center, it'll first be cut down on November 10th, which is two days from today, then trucked into the city, finally arriving on November 12th. It'll then spend a few weeks getting spruced up with thousands of tiny little lights and decorations before the grand spruced TV up, unveiling. Norway, spru- Norway <laughs> spruce, that's right. Spruced up. Man Sprucing words. up a Norway spruce. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> And the unveiling will be a television event on November 30th. I've always loved the people who choose the trees. Like, can you imagine telling someone what you do for a living? I'm actually on the Rockefeller Center tree picking committee. Yeah. <laughs> it's a serious job, that's, though. That, 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 it sounds funny, but it's like the, the globe looks at exactly. this. Exactly. I it's prepare a all year job. for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really serious. And, and I love it. It's going to do a lot of it's scouting. It's a dream job. Yes, that's what I want to do. Thing, so scouting reports. All right. Yeah. You know, Wisconsin's looking a little light this year. Let's go to Vermont. <laughs> It's like the, it's like the White House being prepared, preparing themselves every year for Christmas. The day after Christmas in a current year, they start planning all the events for next year. So with this tree, it's the same situation. And yeah. I, you know, I don't, and it never gets old. All my years in New York City, every time during holiday season, I pass by it and I see it out of the corner of my eye or sometimes direct on. Yeah, it's like a it's a, a oh an aha moment as they say. It just never gets old. It's a beautiful thing to see. And for those of you who don't live in New York City and want to come and see it, please do. I agree. And- Did you see Rockefeller Center does it really well? Did you see the um blue, red and white for 
the election yes. on the actual 30 yeah. Rock building. It was very cool. They do they do great stuff. Uh, let's see what the Empire State Building does tonight. All right, so I'm sitting here with my weekly panel, Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Niall Lundgren from Compass, and Deborah Hoffman from Town Residential. How is everybody this week? Doing well. Good morning. What's up, Great. I voted just like Deb. Yeah. I knew it was going to be kind of crazy. Right. So I said, let's get in at 6.15, 6.30. I was literally in and out in mm-hmm. eight minutes. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to do yeah. the same thing as Vince. I've learned that you got to go after the morning rush yeah. once everyone's at work. It and dies my, down And my, my voting place is like literally around the corner from my mm-hmm. apartment house. So it's, it's a five minute or less walk. But when I peeked around the corner and I saw that I said no 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 it can't be late for the radio so I just jump in a cab and go but I will go back yeah there you go I will go back later this afternoon after the show and do it because I think in the middle of the day when everybody is already at work you know the lines are a lot easier so it'll be much better um, it's a line in I'm showing everyone on my Facebook <laughs> feed one of my sellers yeah. um, videoed the line at his polling place in Morningside Heights pretty crazy and I know where I live Yes, exactly. This might be your polling place. Oh, no. Well, I'll be (laughs) there in an hour. (laughs) (laughs) I was up really late last night watching, you know, the last minute rallies and and, and whatever else. And some of them were just so touching and so uh, inspirational. um, And I just hope that that all translates today in our... And our voting. Anyway, so moving on. For the city that never sleeps, it's a pretty expensive place to find a place to sleep. This is especially true for nearly all recent college graduates relocating to the Big Apple. New York may may be the greatest city in the world, but it is handcuffed to the nation's highest cost of living. So we, we know where this is going. Millennials. Don't want to be in the affordable in any affordable housing. They want to live in luxury housing at affordable prices and have and have been prioritizing their life in that order. This discrepancy explains the lack of realistic uh, options in Manhattan for the newest members of America's workforce. Young adults clearly place too much of a premium on chic apartments and hip locations. It's no secret that New York City housing is expensive, thanks in part to high salaries, cheap transportation, I question that one, and ample (laughs) career opportunities. Rents have skyrocketed in recent years, which is great news for developers and property owners, but terrible for everyone else. As of July, the average monthly rent for a one-bedroom apartment in this city was $2,852, while a two-bedroom set you back $3,653. So the problem, and we've talked about this on the show many (laughs) times, with millennials, you know, or any young person coming into this town post-college and wanting to live here, how do they afford it? And let's kind of understand a little bit about what we, what I was just talking about before, how they specifically want certain things. They want to live in luxury. They want to live in places that are decent. They don't necessarily want to start out at the bottom where a lot of the past generations did and kind of work yourself up. What What is that all about? Well, first, the average rents that you were just talking about, let's just clarify. Is that all of the boroughs? That's New York City, uh, right. a blended uh, average for New York City, correct? Okay, so that I would love to hear what the average is for Manhattan, because I think it would be tremendously higher. Higher, that's um, what I think. While saying that, having grown up in and around this city and being a millennial myself, um, it, I find that most people coming out of college and joining the workforce, as you say, definitely put more emphasis on the location. I have found... Unfortunately, a lot of people who are from this area love to be in Murray Hill 
after you know after all their friends are there and they all go out there and they it's, want to it's be American kinda, now. You're saying just it, now and in the past, it's kind of okay. like a college campus over there. You know, mm-hmm. everyone it is, is it always between used to be. 22 and 28 exactly. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I had a lot of friends who went to NYU and Columbia, and they were so about being in Alphabet City and in the East Village and NoHo during their college years. But then right after, they would switch to you know a much more upscale like Soho area. Interesting. And and their parents are in this area and they are able to guarantor. And so even if you have four people living in a one bedroom, they still have the guarantee uh, for the landlord. So it was interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think, too, when you're talking about like what millennials can and can't do, I think a lot of they, they're going to want a lot of things at the beginning. I think there's a general sense of entitlement across the mm. board. But education is the most important thing. And it's not what you want. It's about what you can get. Right. So once you go through the process and you understand really realistically what you can can and can't do, then it starts to become a little bit more realistic to you. And, and there's always a, an initial starting point and then where you end up. But that said, to agree with kind of what Matt was saying, you know, when you have uh, these these millennials with guarantors, um, they could easily get into you know um, any apartment that they want. I've done plenty of rental deals. I've handled many um, you know marketing campaigns and leasing campaigns, and it's crazy. I mean. of these people come in with guarantors with tons of money and they will guarantee it. And the kid may or may not be making the amount of money that they need to qualify for that. Two, I think another thing that's really important is when you said the the average price of a one bed is like 28 Mm -hmm. and then it comes down to 36 for a Mm -hmm. two. That's a blended average across all of New York City. Mm -hmm. How do millennials do that? Well, they share. Right, you know, because it's significantly cheaper just looking at that metric to do a two-bedroom versus a one, and plus you're sharing the cost of electric, cable, internet, etc., and then it makes it much more cost-effective. So always getting a roommate is a very cost-effective way, whether it's a two or three-bedroom, maybe even a four, to uh, to establish yourself in the city. What's interesting now is because the rental market is a little softer. Buildings or private landlords are allowing shares again. For the last two years, a lot of private landlords, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Niall, were not allowing these young people to share because they figured it's it's a little bit of a roll of dice. You don't know who you're going to get when you're getting two unrelated people who might have just even met on a roommate Absolutely. service of some and kind. And as we talked last week on the show, mm-hmm. uh, the the uh, um, pressured walls are back mm-hmm. because landlords are becoming yep. a little more flexible with that as long as you follow the requirements uh, and the legalities of it all. They're allowing that to, allowing that to happen. And what I'm also hearing uh, a little bit more about is as Niall's point before with sharing, people are now looking to share one-bedroom apartments because two bedrooms are still a little out of their price point and too expensive, and they're looking to share a one-bedroom apartment, you know, making the living room a sleeping area and the bedroom another sleeping area. In fact, I just saw one uh, recently with a client uh, maybe two weeks ago uh, in Battery Park City. So they are trying to retrofit, I think, they being the millennials, retrofit into anything that's going to work for them. And if it's sharing a one-bedroom or sharing a two-bedroom, if they have a bigger budget, that's great. All of it reminds me, though, of when I was <coughs> when I was a millennial age, and, and it, the, the term was not millennial, but yes. our, our sense of entitlement was, I remember my first corporate job, I wanted to be the president of the company, because I thought I could be, and I wanted to be, and I said, I'm, why, why do I have to start over here? And, and 
at one place, it was an advertising agency, I remember saying, uh, he said, you, you have to start in the mailroom. And I said, the mailroom? <laughs> well, but you can go on to be blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we're going to take a break. I want to finish my thought <laughs> right after the break. Uh, you're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. In Manhattan real estate, no deal is ever the same. Different clients have different needs. What always comes back to me, though, the number one compliment that I receive is honesty. And really, this is what matters the most to me. They feel that I'm their number one advocate. Without honesty, I don't see how you can be successful in this business. I'm Heather McDonough with CORE, and this is what I do. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Matthew Cohen, Niall Lundgren, and Deborah Hoffman. And I just wanted to complete my thought on this this millennial topic. And so I was talking about jobs. And, you know, when I first came to the marketplace in New York, I didn't want to, I guess it was my sense of, of entitlement. I didn't want to start at the beginning. I wanted to start at the top. And I thought I could manage and I thought I could be president. And I thought a whole bunch of things because I said, well, I'm smart, so why can't I do that? So I think it translates today into the millennials sort of having the same sense of entitlement, but it's taken a lot a step further in their housing selections. And as these guys were saying earlier, you know, it depends on neighborhood. It depends on the type of building. They say, okay, so maybe I need to share with somebody to make it more affordable, but I'm going to at least live in a luxurious kind of lifestyle that I've always dreamed I could. And as Time goes on and I make more money and I get more promotions, whatever, then I can move on and, and even better that situation. I do think it's very interesting if you look at the last 10 years of you know, college graduates coming into New York City and going into the workforce because, yes, you know, location's a huge thing, but I think, you know, 10 years ago, people, especially college graduates, were not as open about moving outside of Manhattan as they are now. Mm -hmm. You know, in the last 10 years, Williamsburg became what it is. And now I find that college graduates want to go to there because it's the hot place. Or Jersey City, there's been a ton of press about Jersey City lately about, you know, just getting (coughs) amazing things for your money and the neighborhood. Huge press. Like not even, you know, tri-state-wise, nationwide Mm -hmm. about Jersey City. So I think it's definitely changed over the last 10 years as well. All right, moving on, uh, and, and sort of on the same lines, with concessions on the rise across the city, more and more renters are starting to come across the term net effective rent in listings. But what does it really mean for your bottom line? The answer is pretty straightforward and it involves a bit of math. But what? let's explain what does net effect rent really mean? Well, I find that 
landlords get you sometimes because a lot of people will look at the net effective rent or all the incentives. But then at the end of the day, if they're doing it on a 13 month lease, you're not actually saving as much as you would think. So, so even when I moved recently, one of the biggest things was that they did a, um, a month free on a 12 month lease. So that makes a huge difference. But when you're doing a 13-month, yes, it definitely helps. But it's also a month extra on your lease. So, <laughs> but you still amortize that that yes. that yes. price yes. down. Yes, so you definitely. just multiply whatever the let's just say it's a 13-month lease. Let's say it's a thousand dollars. You multiply a thousand times 12 because that's what you're paying. And then you divide it by 13 because that's your lease term. And then it, that number is what you're amortized. Um, number would be. So that's what you would see, for example, on Street Easy, you know, 47, 63. It's like, why is that yeah. number like that? So the yeah. second it's not an even number, you investigate, look in the description, it'll generally say one month <clears throat> free. It's always important to ask when that month is going to be. Sometimes it's the last month. More often it is the last month. Sometimes you can get it to be the second month, but it really depends. Understanding that is important. I don't think it really matters between like 12 month or 13 month because sometimes it could work to your advantage depending on the time of year that you're looking at. Um, but I'd say in general, net effective is something that is extremely prevalent right now. And not only is it what landlords are doing with brokers to advertise to get clients, but um, you know, I just I'm doing a a deal downtown in Tribeca, about a three bed representing the tenant, um, like with like a twenty thousand dollar budget, and we saw a number of different apartments, and they didn't offer months free for the two apartments that we chose, but some of the other ones comparable did. So we said, look, you know, we saw ten places, and you know, we're educated on the market, and we submitted an offer at a lower price with a month free and we already have one response back. I just submitted both offers last night. Um, that's amicable to to giving a month free on a 13 month lease because they wanted the 12 month of actual cash and then they give the extra month. So I think it really depends, but it, it is a softer rental market in the fact that, you know, we're saying, all right, let me get a, a month free. And then the broker saying, okay, yeah. And at a lower price, that's really, really interesting to me. And it shows just a, a much weaker market than we've seen in prior years. <laughs> What's in it for the landlords, though? Because, you know, some people, you know, listen to this and say, oh, you know, so I'm going to get a month free on my rent. <clears> and, oh, that's a great thing. And so you net that down and it's it's a lot less than the listing price. But, you know, landlords are never going to lose out here. So what's really in it for these landlords? In a super soft market that we have now, it's keeping your place rented. Rented. You don't have an empty apartment sitting around and something mm-hmm. is always better than nothing. And what's interesting is when I first started seeing these net effective <clears> rents <throat> and I had someone explain it to me, not as well as Niall just explained uh, it. Come on. But no, it's true. He didn't explain it well. I didn't get it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's, it's very true. confusing. You've got to yes, really pay attention exactly. and it doesn't involve a little bit of mathematics. But it made me think, oh, it's just like when you're selling a co-op and, or a condo and there's a big assessment. You don't add that to the maintenance right. when you put it up as a listing, but mm-hmm. you do put it in the description mm-hmm. to be uh, transparent. But if you add it to the maintenance, people go, whoa, yeah. <laughs> what's wrong with this building? It's maintenance that's yeah. already way too high in some yes. cases. And it comes yeah. down to a bigger problem, you know? It's a visually, uh, it's a visually, listings are visual and people mm-hmm. are looking yes. at that. Mm-hmm. I don't think people really read the descriptions. I have a listing in the West Village, 
It's clearly an elevator building. I've had three people, two of them being brokers, asking me if it's an elevator building. Mm-hmm. I'm like, did you read the listing? Yeah. It's I could an not, elevator building. I could not agree more. People <laughs> and, don't. And, but it's and there's one company read. that's really and good they even at it. They that's even also why it's a condo or a co-op, and that's yeah. what flips me out. Like, come on, You're an man. agent? Come on come now. On. I like to think it in, on both sides, though, because so when I deal with sellers, you know, sometimes I'll have a seller who really wants to manage part of the listing process, and they'll say to me, can I look at the description before mm-hmm. you? Listed, mm-hmm. and I, I'm like, more of course so than you ever. Can, but just know that most people are not reading this description. It's not, you know, going to be the Romeo and Juliet of the publishing world. It's, um, yeah, it's very yeah. true. And and the last weekend, you know, I actually had two different clients of mine going to open houses, which was rare because it was Marathon Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but one has a dog, and the other, of course, is buying for a primary, and. The one buying for a primary emailed me two listings that very clearly said tenant in place in the description. <laughs> yes. And and then so th- there's that side of it. And then the other proof of it is that the one with the dog, there were a bunch of listings he sent me that did not have dogs. Yes. So people are yeah, people do not look very carefully at these <laughs> listings. They don't. They don't they don't look at all. And it you know, when they ask, you know, crazy questions and uh, I just say as Niall said before well I put it in the description you know I, I don't say necessarily yeah. did you read it I said well mm-hmm. I put that in the description oh is it a condo or a co-op um well that's also there you know <laughs> my favorite story <laughs> and, of all and, and yeah. sometimes you know these are these are agents who are in the business a while I'm like well I'm not talking about brand new agents all the time and mm-hmm. it flips me out when I have to hear you know those questions and I'm always very nice and I'll give them the answers but I think really okay well, people are looking to have information just spoon fed for yeah, them versus well, being self sufficient yeah, it's like gimme gimme do you know it's what like, I open say? your eyes and you should be all set mm-hmm. you but, know what I say how credible are you to your buyer mm. and ah, why is your yes. buyer working with you hello yes. as long as you don't say I've been in the business for a hundred years I don't and you should know this better because that <laughs> is the one thing I can't I stand don't do that because <laughs> listen I don't know how long people are in the business but I also can't deal with an aptitude so it I it's know, I there know. in front of you just scroll down and read it Anyway, moving on. In an effort to benefit both tenants and property values, Manhattan Skyline Management Corp., one of New York City's most prominent real estate businesses, will be converting its entire New York City portfolio of luxury buildings to non-smoking. Here we go again. The change will take place will take effect within uh, both private units and common areas, so you cannot smoke anywhere near the building. Smoke-free living is a win for everyone, said Laurie uh, Zucker, vice chairwoman of Manhattan Skyline. Can they do this and how effective this is going to be? Now, Deborah and I probably, you know, are the older members of the panel here and remember back in the Lincoln Towers days where I think it was 180. 170. 170. Tried to do that and, set, you know, it lasted maybe a year. I can't no, even it remember. came back. Even if it came back. Oh, yeah. it came back again? Yes, and now, and they passed it. Oh, dear. Okay, so yes. but it was controversial then. It was because they had rent-stabilized people there who smoked. Right. Mm. And I that mean, I understand, rent-stabilization. Well, different I mean, rules. I think mm-hmm. in these days, it's not as much of a big deal as it was in the past because, you know, these days you have restaurants don't allow it, bars don't allow it. Like, you have to go outside anyway. People yeah. are used to it, I think, in yeah. the smoking world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I really Listen, believe I'm that. not a smoker, but I, I, you know, and I'm not defending either side. I just think, though, that, you know, people's rights within their own home. I mean, we talked about this, I think, last year with somebody uh, being told he couldn't watch pornography on his laptop or on his computer in his own home. I don't remember the story, but we all had a big <laughs> joke about that. Yeah, the, the landlord said, the only <laughs> Way, right, the only right, way that right. I will ha- let you have this is if you don't use any yes, pornography yes. in your apartment. So, you know, not to, you know, compare pornography to smoking, but seriously, <laughs> you know, 
How about pornography while smoking? No, no. <laughs> so, there you go. That's a good vision. <laughs> and a glass of scotch on top of it. Yeah, there you go. You know, I, I think you know. <laughs> I think you got to look at it in the sense of the people who live there and the people who are looking to buy there. So I think on the buying side, it doesn't affect buyers as much as you would think. I, you know, having one of the first you know smoke-free buildings I guess I ever did business in was the Brevard. And I remember at the time, you know, my client. And that's a very big building. Huge yeah. building. And my client said, oh, I just, this is new. I've never seen yeah. that before. And that was it. I mean, it didn't affect anything else. I think someone would rather say, you know, rather complain about it, you know, smelling smoke on a floor instead of complaining about the fact that you can't smoke. I'm very lucky. I don't have anybody who smokes on my floor. And I've been living on in my building on my floor for 12 years, going to be 13 years. And. You know, um, I'm not bothered by that smoke on my floor, so I'm fortunate. I don't know about other floors or people who do smoke. I did at one point many years ago, um, the neighbor next door, they they both smoked, and it used to not only come into the hallways through the doors, but seep through the walls, and mm-hmm. it was just really, really kind of bad. So, again, That's not judging. That's why they passed these rules. Right. Not, not judging either way. You can smoke or not smoke. It does. That's fine, but always, yeah. I just wonder how it's going to really fly in a lot of these buildings. But, you know, we'll we'll wait and see. You know, it's, it's going to be one of those things. Um, I just think, as I said before, that, you know, you can't really, it's almost kind of like you, you're regulating people who are living in their own oh, homes, yeah. in their own apartments. At the end of the day, they, condo owners may have something to, better to say than co-op owners. Right, I, mean, I don't that's know. That's exactly people, what I At the end of the day, people are going to do what they're going to do in their own apartment. You could put whatever rules that you want. I mean, it's just like having a lease that says 80% carpet has to be down, right? The reason why they have that is because yeah. in the event that you're wearing heels and your person who lives below you is complaining, they can say, hey, it says you have to have 80% down. But people are going to do what they're going to do. And, and if we, they need to The lady above it, me doesn't yeah. believe in the 80% rule. She's got high heels that are probably the size of her. And whenever she clunks around on my oh. head, I'm going to really bash her oh, one of these days. Yeah. Yeah. Most important even, question, are they great heels? I can't stand the woman, so I'm not even going to look down oh and see what kind of great God. heels they are. That is but you know, sometimes, crazy. depending on the age of the building, even if you have really thick carpeting, nah. you could still... Hear things from below. Of course you can. So well, you have the rules. The just floor of my building. Yeah, penthouse. Penthouse. There you go, Maddie Cohen. <laughs> That's right. We talked about that last week. Yeah, That's right. You loving your penthouse? I do like it. It's, it's okay. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm teasing you, but but there's something to be said for that because I've Absolutely. lived with this woman for 12 years, and she goes periods of time where she's great, and then periods of time where she is like out of control. We have to take a break. <laughs> uh, this is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Real estate isn't just a career for me. It is my passion. And nothing drives my passion more than my clients. One of my clients who's based overseas has bought several apartments with me sight unseen. At the closing table, he turned to my attorney and he said, No one is more intellectual than Matthew. He has my best interests in mind and allows me to spend millions of dollars on real estate in New York a year. I trust him like I would a member of my family, and there is nothing more special or unique than that. I'm Matthew Cohen with CORE, and this is what I do. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back uh, and we are talking to Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Niall Lundgren from Compass and Deborah Hoffman from Town Residential. Matt mentioned this before, just a few minutes ago, the number one most livable city in the U.S. these days is Jersey City, New Jersey. And this according to a new study from analytics-driven personal finance site Smart Asset. Part of the New York metro area, Jersey City ranked high in population density, walkability, and annual income after housing, averaging about $35,452, okay? Its close proximity to New York City means that residents can work in Manhattan, earning higher wages while paying less for housing. So a couple of questions here. Why why the rise in popularity in Jersey City? How did that happen? Because for years, uh, it was uh, always considered just kind of okay, kind of seedy, kind of, you know, at the base of, you know, whatever. Uh, what happened there? Well, I think as Hoboken became more popular, people started exploring the area around it as well. Um, I also, you know, being from here, I remember always walking on the West Side Highway um, or driving on the West Side Highway and seeing the mm-hmm. Goldman Building, mm-hmm. the huge square Goldman Sachs Building. And that was really the start of Jersey City and just the start of the offices and the companies who moved there. So not only are there a lot of companies that have locations there, there's also been a ton of development there, both rental, office, condo, well, over the last 15 mm-hmm. years, like there was always building. And now... It's, you know, it's just, a, it's a conglomerate of buildings. Like, it's incredible. Um, and I've always also, liked it, by the way. I yeah, always thought I, it was great. I, have, I also have, sorry, one more okay. thing. I have a friend who lives there, and she always talks about how <clears throat> it's very, it's a very nice mix of old and new. Because mm-hmm. you do have the historic section mm-hmm. of Jersey City, and you Beautiful have all this new houses. development. So I think it offers something for mm-hmm. everyone. It really does, but also... I think what really drove people is the new development, which started just as Hoboken was really starting to explode. And I know Jersey City kind of well, because actually about 35 years ago, we were looking to buy one of the row houses around one of the parks, the same way you have Gramercy Park and mm-hmm. here in the city. Mm-hmm. And it depends where you are in Jersey City. It's like going to any Correct. Um, new area. The areas that are really exploding are right around the PATH train. Yes. But they're also still bordering on areas that just need a little help. You know, I had a friend who probably 15 years ago, who they had a, a row house in Jersey City. And, you know, 15 years ago, as I said earlier, you're not, not such a great part of, of the area. But we used to go and visit there all the time. And the block in, in the neighborhood was just so beautiful and so, you know, old and historic and whatever. And this house was just beautiful. And at the end of the day, it's now gotten so much better. Um, and it, you know... And it's on the water. People love being Coming on the water. Coming to New York City, right. Well, it's on the water. The, the it's along the water. The right. different neighborhoods. Yeah. The neighborhoods that are d- developing now are along the water. But if you're a little further in, you're not close. It doesn't have the amenities. You're not right. close to the grocery stores, even though everybody's getting fresh direct and whatever. I find the issues with that whole area, that whole Jersey City, Hoboken area, is that it's great when you're there, and but – if you ever want to do something, you have to come to the city. Well, that, like, I find that's, it, right. But that's if why you, people live there, like in Long Island right, City. If you, like, on the weekends, if you go into Jersey, mm-hmm. it takes forever to get anywhere. 
from there, even like going to Edgewater. And well, on, and on weekends when the train systems or the ferries are on limited schedules, you know, mm-hmm. compared to, you know, commuting during the week, sure. I would agree with that. You know, I, I just put a friend of mine in Dumbo in a, in a fantastic uh, loft on uh, um, Bridge Street. And, you know, even though it's it's not far away, you, you think twice, do I really want to go there today? Uh, you know, huh? I don't know. I want to see him. I want to visit him, whatever. But it's like, really? I mean, wow. Yeah. And it's not that bad. And that's with a lot of subway lines. Oh, think well. about just having the path. <laughs> well, and, and, and Dumbo it. doesn't have a lot of great mm-hmm. lines. Anyway, the, the other top five most livable cities according to the survey, uh, included Irvine, California, Plano, Texas, which kind of surprised me, New York, New York, and Honolulu, Hawaii, which traditionally has been super expensive. So I, I was a little shocked at that one. New York, what New York. What are the I, details? Like, what are the, what's the criteria? Everything. Hmm. You know, lifestyle, housing prices, earnings, uh, demographic, well, you know, why are certain people moving to these these areas? They're just the hot spots at the moment, according well, to this. I have friends who live in Honolulu, and the reason everything is so expensive is because they're not on the mainland. Correct. People don't think about it. And yes, Manhattan's not on the mainland either, but it's not, well, you don't have a huge ocean mainland. in between. Right. Exactly. Everything is trucked in, I'm boated in or flown in, whatever. So I, get, right. I get that, but but it's it's also right now one of the hottest places well, to be living or investing Um because in, in the, the outskirts, the my friend who lives there was explaining to me, the outskirts of Honolulu, they're now building the same way they were building along the water yeah. in Jersey City. They're building in places that were, and I put this in quotes, cheaper. So there's more uh, commerce. There's more big business there. So people are relocating. And if you have a multinational co- corporation, they're going to start putting people there to deal with the East. Correct. All right, moving on. So if you ask a group of New Yorkers their feelings about having doormen in their buildings, here we're going to pick on doormen again, you'll get a wide range of responses. So um, think they're absolute, some think they're absolutely necessary for safety and convenience, while others think they're more of a nuisance and would rather save the money that's associated with living in a building with a doorman, the doorman premium, if you will. Uh, and then there are all those that fall in between. So, of course, Brick Underground polled New Yorkers and asked them when it comes to doormen, the doorman amenity, is a virtual doorman enough? or living, breathing doorman, the only way to go? Virtual versus human. I think it depends on what you're what you're looking for. Yes. Going back to the millennial conversation, when you have you know younger folks who just graduated from college, a lot of times their parents are happy to chip in with rent to make sure that they have a living, breathing doorman. Um, as you get a little bit more older and aware and accustomed to New York, having a virtual doorman isn't the worst thing in the world. You still get a lot of the benefits except for the personal touch. And, you know, if you're coming home late, there there won't be somebody you'd have to key fob or something like that. But it, it really depends on, on who the client is and what, what their preferences are to, to give that answer. I agree with that. I think it depends <clears throat> on also the location. Um, yeah. I think it depends on the location and the place that that person is in their life. Because if you think of someone who just graduated college and is here and new to the city, you know, maybe going out really late at night, not coming back till like 4 or 3 a.m., you know, it's nice to have a doorman. And then later in life when you're retired and you're, you know, in your your 60s and 70s and it's nice to have maintenance and people there to do things for you. Yeah. um, I think it's that middle ground that is, is very volatile in this subject because I think if you ask most people who do not have kids who are, you know, used to the city, I think they will probably say, I'd rather not have a doorman because I pay so much extra for it and I don't really actually need it. But once you have kids, 
it, I think it's nice to have someone who can help you with the groceries, help you with, you Stroller. know, right, like loading a car yeah. or, or anything, If you know, especially if the kids are coming back from school and there's a babysitter or a nanny. I think, you know, parents like the idea of someone that's also looking out for their children. Well, mm-hmm. Also coming back to the millennials, though, is, <coughs> excuse me, um, a lot of millennials work from home. And they might have the kind of business where they get a lot of packages. So if there's a live-in super, then who will collect packages if they go out to the bank or to do something? That's fine. But a lot of them really want that extra security of someone who's going to take important packages for them. And I think this so. is also a 10-year thing. <clears throat> I would love to see the 10-year spread of opinions on this topic because, you know, I think – in the past, it was a huge priority and a huge just, you know, part of someone's criteria. And these days, I find that a bigger part of someone's criteria is the elevator. Mm-hmm. So I think the doorman yeah. turned into the elevator. Mm. Well, I agree yes. with Niles. I, I agree with you, too. But I, th- I agree with Niles said before in that it, it really is a personal, you know, choice. I mean, and, and everybody has a reason for either wanting one or not. Yeah. I've gone on record on this radio show for almost three years saying – if and when I move again, I'm not interested in a doorman. I've had it for 20 plus years. They're in your business. They're annoying. <laughs> exactly. But I will tell you, you know, uh, but by the way, the, the, the results of that survey is virtual doorman wins over human beings. So, again, there's something for everybody. You know, wow. who knows what or why I mean, people make I decisions. I was having a lovely, fun conversation with my two doormen two nights ago, and I had a lot of fun during it. But at the same time, no, my doorman too. this morning <clears throat> at 7.30 a.m. when I left my building asked me who I was voting for. And I was like, that's kind of personal. <laughs> well, you know, listen, my so, ups and downs you know, with doormen are sometimes you want to feel like you want to, you know, josh around with them and talk to them and whatever, and that's fine. And then sometimes you just don't want to be bothered like 7.30 in the morning when I'm leaving, you know, to rush someplace or whatever. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? How's your morning? Well, it hasn't started yet. You know, just, just <laughs> walking out the door. But also there's doormen and there's doormen and it depends on the building. If you And all of us have been in the buildings like 15 <laughs> Central Park West and the really, really high-end buildings. And these doormen are like the guards that guard the queen. Yeah. They don't kid yeah. around with right. you. Right. They take care of yes. everything for you. And I'm sure they talk amongst themselves. And they're, but they're, oh, they're not going to write books in their retirement. Yes, Are you kidding me? They're, they're not very going to kid around with and you. And have incredible credentials sometimes yes. in those bigger buildings. Like one of my coworkers <clears throat> at CORE used to be a doorman at 15 Central Park West. And he's great. He's a yeah. great guy. And he has all these mm-hmm. high-end celebrity clients from mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. It's yeah. very cool. Well, in that building, for heaven's sake. But it's interesting because I have a, a couple who sellers of mine who I'm going to uh, buy them something as soon as we sell their apartment. But we've been looking. And we went to one building, a new development. And it's going to be a part-time doorman. And then it's going to be virtual on the off hours. And they were sort of taken aback by that because they they are elderly and they really want a full-time doorman. And I asked the question, I said, all right, so let me ask you, why do you feel you need that? You, you don't get that many packages. You know, you both go out to work every day. You, it's not like you're working from home and need that convenience. He's like, you know, it, it's, just a, it's just a security thing. I said, uh, okay, I mean, I get that. Well, you know? this is also where having a great broker like the four of us 
needs to come into play because I find that most people don't know what part-time doorman means. I need to explain to them what the hours are or Mm -hmm. ask the building what the hours are because if the hours are, you know, eight to six or eight to seven, you know, that's perfect. They're there, you know, when you're leaving, when you're coming home, they're there when the packages come. What else do you need them for unless you're going out partying till 4 a.m. and you're scared to come back to your building then? Yeah, if you live in an iffy neighborhood. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, as Matt said before, I mean, it's also yeah. really neighborhood dependent. Now, this is yes. this is in Hell's Kitchen. So at the end of the day, it's a safe neighborhood, but it still has that Hell's Kitchen kind of, you know, old memory, whatever. So they're like, well, you know, I think because of where this is on 45th Street that um, we would feel more comfortable with a full-time doorman. Listen, I am I aim to please. So if that's what they want, that's what they'll get. Um, it, 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 just, it just depends on who the person is. It's just like, you know, when we're selling new development or any apartment and people say, I have to have a pool. And I think, well, why do you need to have a pool? Because I, I like to swim. So then a year later, you check in with them. How many times have you been in the pool? Oh, yeah. Well, I really haven't Zero. had time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I need a parking lot, you know, parking garage in the building. I need a gym. Well, the gym, I understand. And then you say, so how's the gym? I don't know. I go to Equinox every day. The roof deck. The roof deck is the thing that people don't use the most. And they think they're going to use it so much. And they never do. As it, we always say on this program and and, and just in, in real estate in general, it always comes down to what people are willing to afford to pay. Because you pay dearly for these extra amenities in buildings and the price of apartments are always higher. So it is what it is. We have to leave it there. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The reason I love real estate is because it brings people together and it bonds them forever. Sometimes clients will call me just to chat. It happened the other day. She called and said, can you talk? We talked about life in her world. She told me I had a gift and that I was a gift, which made me blush, of course, but I understand what she is saying. I have the ability to pull magic out of a hat and get the deal done for my clients in the end. My clients are my family, and I really treasure family. I'm Vince Rocco with CORE, and this is what I do. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. Listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Niall Lundgren from Compass, and Deborah Hoffman from Town Residential. And we've got a lot on our plate today uh-huh. millennials, doormen. 
Uh, the election. The doorman. <laughs> the election, yes, of so course. So much going on. So let's talk about million dollars. I'm old enough to remember a million dollars was a lot of money. And if you had a million dollars, you were a millionaire. Today, I, I, you know, a millionaire probably needs to start at $10 million. But anyway, how much does an apartment get you for a million dollars today? In the tonier hoods of Manhattan, the answer is about one room. Because I recently saw a studio for so nine ninety nine, And I said, okay, that's a million dollars for a studio. Great. We discussed this last year. I sold that studio, which yes. was a one room. It was not an alcove. Um, on 57th Street, not in a new building, in a new conversion, though, for 1.2. You know, yeah. listen, one of my yeah. favorite buildings in the village is 299 West 12th Street. And there was a studio there, I think, last year also for 1.3 or 1.4. And I've, and I've been in those apartments a few times. And I know the pre-war studio in that building is just kind of tiny. 1.3 or 4. And it <sighs> sold. Now, per, I mean, look, the location is unbelievable. But... Yeah. Anyway, too much uh, of the world, a million dollars sounds uh, certifiably crazy, but for the uh, apartments in New York City, high-end condo developments, it's just the going rate. If you're talking about 2000 per square foot, which isn't unreasonable in any construction in New York today, then there's a studio at 500 square feet would be a million dollars. Who's buying these apartments? So one of the reasons, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug my own personal thing here, but one of the reasons I love, love, love our job is this, because I have clients from all over the world and they all think so differently when it comes to price mm-hmm. and money Absolutely. and the very, idea of it. Very true. And so one of my favorite things is when I'm dealing with you know friends or Americans who a million dollars is a lot of money for them. You it know? is. And they'll, and they'll buy something. I find that when I'm dealing with the majority of my clients, I constantly am using the same line at the closing table when we get an accepted offer. And that is, this you know, might not be a lot for New York standards, but it's a lot for me. And mm-hmm. that's what my clients are constantly saying. And I think it's such a great, Well, I would agree with them. I think it's such a great way to look at the million dollar idea in New York City. Because you have to think that the majority... It's still a lot of money. It doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter what it's for. It's still a lot of money. That's a perfect window or opportunity for you to tell them to get more realistic. <laughs> it's a lot for me. And Understandable. I, Looks like we're going to have to stay in the studio range. You know? <laughs> exactly. And what amazes me is my first uh, apartment purchase in, in New York City, and I'm not talking that many years ago, a studio for $38,000 mm-hmm. that I bought for cash. And the maintenance was, I think, uh, in the 400 range. And it was a beautiful, it was in a brownstone uh, on the garden level. It was Mm. absolutely amazing in Murray Hill. Um, And I'm thinking, wow, where have we come from $38,000 and now in in a lot of cases, a studio for $1 million. So I think the $1 million thing is also a very hot topic of conversation in the real estate world. Whether it's, you know, with buyers, with just people in general who like to chit chat, you know, a constant mention from my family is, oh, we can't believe that, you know, apartments in Lincoln Towers are now above a million. Like, can you imagine? You know, so that I, I think that is a heavy topic. Well, of as conversation. I said before, anybody out of the city has no understanding of mm-hmm. what we talk about or why. Exactly. Well, the we, people we, who bought the Actually, the parents bought with a young man just starting out, out of college, out of graduate school, the $1.2 million studio. When I initially met them, they were from Mississippi. They were incredibly wealthy in Mississippi, and they were very famous doctors. I did a lot of Googling, and they initially wanted to buy a two-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment at one fifty-seven dollars for $2.5 million. 
157 West 57? 157 West 57, mm-hmm. okay. which we know the prices start considerably higher, and I had to educate them and take them all around, and they waited three years until they came back to me. It's interesting how they picked that building, right? Millionaires they heard Row. of it. Billionaires Row, excuse me. Yeah, of they, course, because they heard they of it. Heard of it. Right. And in Mississippi, they are incredibly wealthy. And I still think they are in general, but it's not in the super oh, high end for But Manhattan. when you snap on the mask of New York City real yes. estate prices, you could be very wealthy anywhere else in the world. Uh, but when you see these prices, it's it's almost like, you know, culture shock and sticker shock and, and a whole yeah. bunch of other shocks. And, and people just say, well, you know, that's just a lot of money. And aside from that, you have to look at where New York gets you for your closing costs. And well, your mortgage costs yeah. after mm-hmm. you spend a million or more dollars. Well, that shows a lot of new developments one. in the foot because when they realize what the closing costs are and how the, the developer transfers all of the, the fees and all of the costs to the buyers, buyers don't necessarily know. I want a brand new glitzy condo and I want it to be wherever. And then when you look at the closing cost analysis, and I worked in new development for six years, you lose a lot of deals when they realize what that's going to be. Moving on, the prices sort of, sort of along the same line. The prices for New York City real estate continues to hover near record highs. However, one factor is said to be keeping buyers at a distance. According to Corcoran's third uh, third quarter market report, some home buyers are waiting until after this presidential election uh day today to end before they are going to commit to deals. In its survey of Corcoran agents, the brokerage found that 40% dealt with buyers that were waiting for election results before purchasing a property. This has contributed to significant drops in the number of signed contracts closed in sales in Manhattan. This last quarter or more has been very, very, very dry. So what is your opinion now? 40% of the Corcoran agents have you know, reported that their buyers, I can tell you in my, my buyer world, it's exactly the same. Uh, they're sort of, sort of waking up the last couple of weeks, but still not looking to do anything. Do you really think that this election uh, campaign has affected our current market here in New York yeah. City? I yeah. could not agree more. Well, it's uncertainty, just like the stock market exactly. doesn't like uncertainty. I don't like uncertainty as human beings. We don't. I know. And I woke up and I said, I just want this to be over. Exactly. Me too. I don't care who wins at this point. I just want it to be over and everyone could get on with their lives. You know, I'll tell you something. I, I don't usually sleep a lot on Monday nights because I'm always anxious about Tuesday mornings because I'm afraid I'm going to miss the alarm to be here and whatever. <laughs> it's just one of my things. Yeah. But last night, I didn't sleep at all. And it didn't have anything to do with this this radio show. It had all to do with just what you said, Deborah. I'm just at the point where after watching you know, enough of the coverage last night, mm-hmm. It has to just go away. Yes. It's been way too long. It's been so contentious. It just needs to go away. And I can't, yeah, and I just can't wait till Wednesday, which is tomorrow. You know, I I say, I don't even care anymore, but I just need to get to Wednesday. I want my Facebook friends to be normal again. What's what's really upsetting, and you guys may have the same problem, is many of my Facebook friends are also other brokers and their clients. And when... If it's one thing if they're passing along a meme for either yeah. candidate mm-hmm. or against either candidate, mm-hmm. I don't care. But the added vitriol yes. that everyone on both sides are putting onto it. Absolutely. And I'm thinking, you're a broker and people are reading this yes. and this is the face you want to put out to people. I just want it to stop. Also, let's. I want to harp on something that Deb said because the uncertainty is a huge thing. So nothing loves more nothing loves hard 
true certain facts more than the stock market. And nothing was truer than that than yesterday when the stock market shot up. Zoomed. And you you heard why. Right, because they were expecting a win from Hillary. So I think that that's a huge thing for buyers also to see. Mm -hmm. I think that that's proof that you know, no matter who wins, once this is over, life it's going to tremendously, well, life goes on, but it'll tremendously change the market, both in real estate and the stock market. One and I think thing. that that's just a, something we all need to face. One of my favorite hashtags when I'm posting things, you know, on Instagram or, or whatever is life keeps moving. And it's true. Life keeps moving. You know, we may not always agree. We may not always like what happens, but life keeps moving. So get on with it. Dust yourself off. <laughs> And go back to life. We survived 9-11 and we kept moving. Well, there you have it. So much more so. We're surviving this. (laughs) (laughs) But I got to tell you something. I am complete. I'm a news junkie anyway. So, I mean, I'm always outside of elections, inside of elections. I'm always glued to CNN, whatever. But I'm just to the point where I, I can't even... I so I was it. I was flipping between Bill O'Reilly and Anderson I know Cooper I saw that on Facebook. Night, and I love I actually love Bill O'Reilly and Anderson. I love getting both of their sides of things. Um, but but what was very interesting, interesting about O'Reilly. last night's O'Reilly factor is that um, this is bigger than us. This election is bigger than this country. 100%. It's the whole globe. Something 100%. that they showed was presidents around the world talking about the election, and you know just um, people it's getting together scary. and. And lighting, you know, monuments of Trump on fire and things like that. This is a huge thing. And when you think of it as such a big thing, you also have to think about all of your clients and all your buyers and sellers in New York City who are also around the globe. So this is not just the U.S. Which brings us back to the original, you know, point of questions here. You know, so, you know, you're so correct, Matt. But, you know, at the end of the day, we have been affected uh, greatly by this uh, campaign. uh, And we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Unfortunately, that is our show for today. We have to go. Thank you for joining us. You can catch the show anytime on podcast or on our website, voiceamerica.com or at vincerocco.com. Please remember, guys, get out there and vote. And remember, love trumps hate. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. 